here we are. First post race of the season. I am joined. Well, I should back up here first. Uh, P1. I am RJ here. We got P2. My boy, AMG Dens. I uh, can't think of a rap line right now. And then right next to him, P3 on the podium as well. Rory, how are you guys doing today? Wait, where'd you get this podium from, bro? Who decided this order? Uh, I guess I did right now. I, I'm currently I'm currently on the beach. I don't know if you could tell. Um, I've stripped myself of anything McLaren I own based off of uh, the, the results of this first race. And... Uh, I'll be living on the beach till further notice. Hey, yeah, I I, he's, the he's the founder as well. He's the founder of the DRS all, so he deserves to be at top. Man, he's moving <laughs> like Michael Massey, and his team didn't even do so well today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lucky I made out of qualifying. Um, but, <laughs> wow, what a race, though, to say the least. Um, let's not talk about the bottom of the grid where McLaren is. Um, that's news we don't need to chat about yet. Um, let's talk nice. about the top of the grid. Um, Right away, instant reaction. Charles Leclerc finishing P1. Um, surprised? Not really. No, you have to say that Ferrari have been just minding their own business. We have a thing in like the Caribbean saying, you know, mind your business and drinking water. And Ferrari must have been drinking a lot of water because, <laughs> you know, they've just been minding their own business, doing what they need to do to bring the car back up. There's obviously a lot of pressure on uh, Matteo Bonotto going into this season because Ferrari have had a lot of time to try and raise the performance of their car. And my God, they pulled up on smoke. Leclerc looked untouchable. I believe he got the fastest lap of the race. Qualified pole and then the race victory too, which, you know, at times there was a bit of a battle between him and Max, which we'll touch on later. But yeah, demanding, demanding, demanding performance from Ferrari. Great to see them back at the top. I know the Tafos team must be going crazy because it's their first championship fight for a couple of years now, but absolutely eccentric start for the season. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm happy Ferrari after the kind of like the down, the bad, the dark days of 2020. It's great to see them back. Like this has been their their plan for the long term. Like they got third instructors title last year, but it was all they did. They focused on this year, and you can see clearly why they're up there. They're like they. I think they were in testing. They were hiding a bit their pace. They didn't show any of their low fuel runs, and yeah, I, I'm I, I can't wait for this season. It's going. I think it's going to be a three way tie between Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari. So yeah, happy for Charles, happy for Science. I Science, yeah, Science had a good race today. Leclerc, I think, had a world champion drive. He was cool and collective, everything like just very professional. What what he did. I have a question. What is better, the twenty twenty? What is the worst car actually, the twenty twenty two McLaren or the twenty twenty Ferrari? Smoky. <laughs> I guess time will answer that one, but yeah, McLaren not looking so great, and I guess we'll have a segment on them towards the uh, the kind of middle section of this podcast, because there's mm -hmm. a lot we could delve into in relation to the struggles they had, Ricardo recovering from COVID, um, still like Lando seemed to be quite dejected about the McLaren's performance around this specific circuit, and hopefully mm -hmm. for their case, it might just be a track-specific thing, because in Barcelona, they were more at the front, so we'll have to see but um yeah like i'd probably like to start this podcast then by like talking just about the first race of the season how it started 
it was predominantly a clean start, which we were quite surprised about, I feel, because, you know, the cars are a lot more harder to drive on slow speed corners. We only saw really Bottas get a bit of a poor start to begin with, which a bit typical, but I can't go too hard on him as well, considering his result. Uh, also, um, probably another bit we'll talk on briefly, penalty for Ocon, I believe a five-second penalty for the contact made with Schumacher. Again, the race directors seem to be a bit more strict with the collisions this year because uh, to me, I saw it as a racing incident, but I want to get your two takes on that as well. Racing incident or a five-second penalty justified? I think it was a racing incident. I think because it's the first lap. Uh, they have all the angles, but I definitely think the, the race directors this year are going to be much stricter on lap, uh, uh, lap one incidents um, in general. And overall, you mentioned like the racing today was clean, it was fair. And I think a lot of the drivers now know, especially Max Verstappen now know, that if the, if, if the race, if they do something like dangerous or a bit off the, like, off, like off the, in the limit, like they're going to, they're going to be cranked, it's going to be cramped down on or clamp, clamped down on sorry and yeah I think they're they know that these race directors are not like Michael Massey last year that let everything go so like yeah I think it was a racing incident by far they have they have that VAR system now as well so that could have been why he could go got five seconds but I definitely and we don't have the the team radios anymore so we don't know what the um, the both sides of the argument were but yeah I think it was a racing incident yep and Rhett what's your take on that first lap collision between the two yeah, I would go with a race against him personally, but I think it was more impressive actually for Mick Schumacher not to actually crash out in that. I think uh, that was the more impressive part of it all. And to your point too, just before I forget, Valtteri, if I'm not mistaken, Rory, we had chatted about this before, didn't he get pushed off the track there initially? That's why he lost that ground going into the first quarter? Or did he just get a slow start? Because I'll be honest, the highlight of the first corner was not seeing Verstappen go straight into Charles Leclerc. <laughs> I totally thought that was going to happen. I, I think we had predicted a little bit beforehand, but yeah. um, it, it was awesome not to fast forward even through, but that kind of was some of the highlights of the race was that that classic battle between Charles and Verstappen. Um, I got to imagine Rory going through with that too. You were on the edge of your seat for a lot of that, right? Yeah, I was. <laughs> to be honest, I was. Uh, it, it wasn't helping that. I'll be honest. Um, I'm going to give some insight. I I missed about. I miss. I I was there for the start of the race and before the race, but I had a bit of a uh, stomach issues. Let's say if, if during the race, so I wasn't feeling too good. But I soldiered through, and and but yeah, I was um I was stressed out. <laughs> no, to get the your your heart is pumping. You don't know what like you're going for the race win, and you had Perez as well. Who was like challenging? Who's uh, challenging signs? And had Hamilton behind them as well. So yeah, I was on my edge of my seat, and yeah, I don't. I think with the boss, I think he just had a bad start. He got squeezed, and he was and he was forced off. I think he was forced off. I don't know. Dens might know as well, but I think he definitely had a slow start. That's why he went from P six down to fourteenth on the first lap. It looked that way to me as well. And again, you know, the cars are a lot more heavier than they were last year. So it's totally understandable why, you know, the teams are still getting to grips with that. You can do as much practice as you can in the sim. But then when you've got like full race fuel, uh, you've been warming up the tires in the formation lap. We saw science do like four burnouts. I felt so sorry for Leclerc. So there's a very unique way of starting these cars as we, we've seen. But that should probably lead us on to then the big kind of... Uh, battle between the two protagonists of this particular race, Max and Leclerc. So if I can kind of outline the uh, events as they happen, 
surprisingly, Mercedes pull the undercut and go onto the hard tire, which then triggers everybody to react and do their own thing. Max comes in before Leclerc and straps on, I believe, a set of soft tires. He goes onto new soft tires, but then Leclerc responds the following lap and goes on to old or used soft tires, which is interesting because all of this stuff is determined by the qualifying rules that we have now with them basically not having to start the race on the tire they qualified with necessarily so um very interesting and then we saw that the undercut worked for max because he pushed super hard and aggressive with them it was quite clear that the soft tire could generate tire um tire temperature quite quickly unlike lewis where it looked like he's driving on ice with a hard tire to begin with <laughs> but you know um verstappen put in a good banging in uh, out lap out of the pits he gets onto the back of Leclerc he tries to go down the inside and then Leclerc basically gets the DRS into the second DRS detection zone and then literally chops across him and I was like oh my god I winced I was like they're gonna crash so this kind of move the Red Bull seemed to be really feisty and powerful on the straights but then Leclerc was being very clever and outsmarting Max by breaking slightly before the second DRS detection zone so you could then get a slipstream and overtake Max into turn three, which I think was really clever from Leclerc. It goes to show you that maybe his years at Ferrari being in the midfield and fighting in the pack, it's helped him with overtaking and like learning how to use tactical things like that. And then we had the second round of stops where again, Red Bull on the money, they do the undercut. Then Ferrari respond again with a, you know, a lap later. And they tell Max this time not to push the tire so hard because at that stage, I think they were committed to a two-stop. And then as soon as Leclerc comes out, the gap was even bigger than it was like for the first set of stops. So Max is on the radio and he's like, guys, don't, I'm never, ever doing that again. I want to push. You know, he, that real racer, that real like, like frustration and passion came out in his uh, team radio there. But it seemed like Leclerc just had him covered for that second round of stops. So again, another set of pit stops they've gone really aggressive with the compounds here probably because the high tech uh, tire degradation the abrasive nature and then i'll let rory take over this point now because uh there's a show called three out of four cats but i think they need to rename it three out of four red bulls in the uk <laughs> 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 we'll get a cat yeah. noise in there at the end <laughs> Yeah, and I'll just I'll just uh, get a picture of my two cats and just put dress them in Red Bull gear and just say I need I need another cat as well. But anyway, yeah, I think it was an exciting race, fair racing, uh, surprising for Max. I actually thought, like you said, then there was going to be an incident turn one. We, I actually I think we kind of in a space before we kind of predicted it as well, like incidents like um, either in turn four and turn one. But I was I was actually kind of surprised that like it was clean. And like you said, when it got to the part where like he where the clerk cut across um Verstappen, I actually thought they were going to Verstappen was going to go into the side of him because it was so close. They got it so the precision was excellent by Leclerc. But yeah, I it was excellent duel. <laughs> yeah, I we all know I'm going we're going, I'm going to get on to why um we all know well if you didn't watch the race, Verstappen DNF'd because he there was multiple issues so it was like there was a safety car because uh this was oh, okay i messed it up but anyway there was a safety car and we'll get to it later on where gazi dnf so there's all the pitting oh, uh, pitting and um and that and 
And so Verstappen came in, Leclerc stayed out. Leclerc, when the, that was before safety car came out, safety car came in, came out, and then Leclerc pitted, and then we got what well, then the cars unlapped and like that. So then Verstappen had an issue where he came on the radio, he was like panicking, panicking, my battery, my battery. And he's and then I was there thinking, okay, this is not good. And then the, the, the his GP's engineer said, This is um this is actually it's okay, Max. It's okay. Be it just it, stay calm like that. So I, I stay calm. Then when GP comes on, and then we hear again, like he said, oh, um, my steering feels right. And then I said, oh my god. <laughs> and then this is not going great. And then like oh, his steering's getting worse. And they said it's stable, but it's going to get worse. And then near the end of the lap, he like he at this time he was falling. Leclerc was making a two second gap, nearly a three second gap, and he was falling behind into signs. Signs was coming up, Hampton, Perez, and then on the I think lap fifty six, um, Verstappen just started going slowly, and everyone started overtaking him, and then he just trundled into the pit lane. And then Perez was left to defend from Hamilton, and then he's DNF'd as well. So yes, it's it wasn't a good day for Rebel Power Trains. Let's say that. Mm-mm. Not Try at to all. Play all those Mercedes employees. <laughs> I think the Mercedes employees they're already protesting because uh, it was so strange to see the Red Bull so fast in a straight line, which goes mm-hmm. to show you that they've come a long way with the power and top mm-hmm. speed but maybe the reliability is the issue. And that's kind of what the whole testing was for. Hope, you know, you would like to have something like that to have popped up during testing and not during a race because they've gone into a race now and they've lost 25, well, basically 25 and then 18 points for P1, P2 if Perez and Max could have got that, but not that. And then obviously Gasly as well, really heartbreaking for him too because I think yeah. he drove... Solid race, and then mm-hmm. his Alphatari. Listen, his Alphatari was on flames. His his Alphatari. I think he was smoking a loud galactical <laughs> Max Verstappen. Because, you know, it was just, it was smoking. It just went up into flames. And I think Rory mentioned that maybe some of the coolant fluids that are, are there to like keep the car cool in the um, the radiators maybe caught a light as well, which is why the car got on fire as quickly as it did. But yeah, sad sad as well to see him. You know, not rewarded for his good driving, but ultimately Snowder making improvements, no racing incidents for him, mm-hmm. uh, P8, so some redemption for AlphaTauri, just not for Red Bull, unfortunately. Yeah, and let's not forget he went from P16 to P8, which is, uh, that's, a, that's a great race for him. He definitely needed it, especially he, after he, how he's chopped up and drive to survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think he's going to be motivated this year, because uh, last year they had like an overtake challenge, so the driver that pulled off the most overtakes throughout the season would get like a trophy. And mm. uh, I believe he is in the leader that at the moment. So again, yeah. it's going to give him like the bit between the teeth, try and get that. And I'm sure we impress his bosses, Franz Tuss and Helmut Marco too. But at the same time, he's got to be very mindful of his, uh, you know, his wheel to wheel combat because he's on the highest amount of driving license mm-hmm. points compared to everybody yep. else. We've seen this yeah. even with the Ocon thing, something that would have previously probably been a racing incident. Now is going to gain you, penalties so yeah crazy crazy for them but uh okay let's kind of keep it structured then so we'll then move on to science and um lewis in the remaining podium positions what do you guys think of that oh, I'll, oh you go ahead RJ, sorry. oh my bad yeah i just want to clarify one thing i'll i'll tackle that but to uh your point to rory i think it was well i don't think i know it was 
Max was complaining about his steering issues. And then you had actually, we had talked about it that the Craig Scarborough had clarified saying that it wasn't a steering issue. Um, wasn't, wasn't the hydraulic rack. It was the steering rack that was bent during one of his pit stops that essentially caused everything to go under. Um, and on top of it too, Perez spinning out before allowing Lewis Hamilton to take the lead and ultimately end up P3. Um, for me, the end of the race was, was awesome. It was really exciting. I mean, you don't want to like, you don't ever want to see someone crash or a safety car, but Gasly going off on the side of the road was, was a good sign that Max's issues and maybe Red Bulls were a little more legit, both of them being, you know, having the same power unit. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, obviously with the Red Bull A and a uh, proverbial Red Bull B team, um, Carlos though, the one, two punch and the fastest lap. I don't think you could have asked for a better weekend if you were Ferrari. And I think for Hamilton fans or Mercedes fans at all, it probably was pretty relieving to see Hamilton back up on the podium. And it proves that that, that race will really be tight. And you don't know that that's kind of the one variable where maybe Mercedes has a little bit of luck, if you will, because Perez's issue at the end, no one could have foreseen that completely coming in the beginning. It should have been Red Bull on the podium um, prior to that point. But um, it was most interesting to me to even after the race, um, the word karma came up, came up pretty popular. I know in a lot of regions of uh, the world, when it came to F1, I don't know if this is a little bit of karma for Red Bull, not to knock them at all based on the events of last year, but um, it does really get you wondering in some ways. So uh, back to you though, Rory, any, any thoughts on that? Not to bash you too hard, you know, there's no, there's no bullying men here. I'm just giving an honest take. Yeah, well, disclaimer as well. There was uh, no Red Bull fans, <coughs> Rory, was a bully during the filming of this podcast. Just, 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 just display it, you know. We're <laughs> yeah. a friendly podcast around here. Definitely. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for the support, guys. Um, yeah, I think, but science, science had a, I think he's, he's kind of like, wasn't, I think under the radar, but like he did have his like, times like this joke going around on uh, that he never gets on TV, but now because Ferrari's going to do well, he's probably going to be on TV a lot more. So I think he had a good race. Hampton had, was ham like just basically it's a drive of an eight like a seven time should be an eight time world champion that like he like he kept he didn't give up like max who's who's calm on the radio he was like that max was giving out left right and center being a crybaby and yeah i do think yeah i think like already said like the two rebels will have been on the podium unless if they didn't have those dnfs i think hampton could have got perez or science could even got look ever happened, but one of them would have even been on the podium. But yeah, I think it was it was a solid race from Hampton and Science. So I think it's gonna be a very it's gonna be very interesting to see how we get on in, in the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, just to conclude those points, um Science, I think, yeah, he did well. I think you could sense that there's some frustration in his voice though, because he really believes in himself that he should be able to go toe to toe with Leclerc and be a lot closer. But it seems to be that so far Leclerc's mastered the um the new car a bit more and just adapted his driving style a bit to that accordingly. But I'm sure Science will come out swinging and he'll be even closer to Leclerc than before. Uh, he's obviously, as well, one of the few drivers on the grid still looking for his first win. So that's obviously big motivation for Sainz too. And uh, yeah, with Lewis as well, so happy. Obviously, you know my allegiance to Mercedes and <laughs> Lewis, so there's no surprise there. But yeah, I came into the weekend just knowing that, you know, the W13 maybe has some potential, but just hasn't been unlocked yet with the porpoising and, you know, just the lack of speed that you see from the car at times. Having said that, 
you didn't really hear Lewis complaining or like getting angry on the radio. I think he's accepted that this season they're gonna have to work and dig a lot deeper to find those marginal gains. And again, when stuff started to kick off at the front or when the safety car was there, they kept themselves in a position where they could potentially capitalize. And for Hamilton, and we'll get on to Russell soon as well, for them to pull each other up and to uh, to be there to benefit, you know, shows you that they, they're not completely out of it. Don't write them out and that they're going to continue digging deep and having a lot of long nights trying to put that W13 in the correct position so i'll probably then segue uh the russell thing i think rj was gonna say something so I'll let him yeah know. i was gonna say the only thing i think hamilton did sound like he's complaining because i feel like the radio messages everyone in the preseason is like yo mercedes is sandbagging this that we don't know the radio messages tell me something different but he didn't seem and roy correct me if if i'm wrong with this if you were obviously watching at the time he didn't seem too thrilled right away with the with their choice for him going on the hard tires um, but that I think does bring up a great point for all these teams. We, the tire management is going to be a huge factor. I think a lot of times we thought this was going to be a two-stop race, um, you know, end up being a three-stop race uh, or a four-stop race to bring up some PTSD with Lando Norris and McLaren. But um, we'll see how that plays out, obviously, as the season goes on. Um, but back to you moving forward here. Yeah, no fair point. And, you know, it was, uh, my heart was in my mouth when I saw Lewis come out on the hard tires and he was just like doing the Tokyo drift around the first corner because it's clear to see that, um, you know, they, they were struggling to get the harder compound of tire up to temperature as quickly as the others. And on a funny side note, they were saying that in the future, they're considering having no tire blankets for the cars. So it's going to put more emphasis mm. on the drivers, you know, being able to adapt would essentially um, managing cold tires as soon as they come out of the pits when they're not generating any temperature. It's not almost an IndyCar where they have something similar to that. And by the way, I've got to remember to watch the IndyCar race at 10 o'clock. I'm staying up for that. It's around the Oval today in Texas. Yeehaw! But um, mm-hmm. to bring it back, yeah, it's interesting to see how that worked out. And then even for Russell, um, we can move on to him. I don't feel he would have been so happy with his performance and qualifying to be, I think it was p9 or yeah p9 in that car too hard he missed he said he missed his breaking point for uh the first corner in his last quality run i know if f1 diplomat coming for you bro <laughs> coming for that smoke <laughs> but uh no jokes aside you know um i think good recovery from him he made up a lot of the positions in the first lap of the race and again he wasn't too far off lewis he wasn't like doing a bottas where sometimes if bottas wasn't motivated you'd see him just dropping back and dropping back and dropping back. He, he was, you know, keeping... I don't think the gap was ever greater than 10 seconds between him and Lewis, which shows you, you know, that he's still there. He's still prevalent. And again, there to benefit when the two Red Bulls had a retirement too. So, yeah. And you think you guys wanted to add on Russell though? Yeah, Russell, I think, like he like he said, actually, as well, like he messed, he, messed, he locked off going to turn one on his final flying lap of a... Q3, but he did say that the team didn't like guide him in the way that they want to say push more in your outlap as well, and that didn't work. But he didn't blame the team. Said we just it's just we're just experimenting like that. We're trying to find the best for the car and the team. So yeah, I think he was like like you said, then I don't think he was far off Lewis during the race. I think the the highest time he was ever was like some like seven seconds or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like he was close enough, like and he was there to uh, capitalize on when the two rebels DNF. And surprisingly, like, it came out by Ted Kravis from Sky saying that the FI were looking at Science's car, uh, like, see if something emerged, but I don't think anything came out so far, we, as yet we know of. So I think so far, he, Russell could get a podium or not. So 
Yeah. I think as well with the Russell, I'm not go- like we have. There was a lot of discussion, like by a lot of Mercedes fans, um, saying that like we're not because of Russell's bad quality performance. They didn't want, they didn't believe that he was going to be this good. But I think after today's race, I think Russell proved his point that he's still there. He can be. That's why Mercedes hired, uh, brought him into this team. That he's able to be with Lewis. He's able to support Lewis. And when say if Lewis is not on his day, like in the race, like. When Lewis was down with his pit stop, Russell was still high up in the like it was P five and consistently stayed there. So, yeah, I I think Russell did an amazing job today. He went an underrated performance, I think. Yeah, and to caveat that as well, you know, I think people just need to give give him a bit of a chance because mm-hmm. I know that you know the the people that want to see him the the, the thing that they're focused on is not for not Mercedes like again, trying to keep their dominance up. They're more focused on trying to create like an inter-team thing between him and Lewis, which I, mm-hmm. I don't understand. But yeah, I, I saw a lot of people giving him a hard time yesterday too because he said something in a Netflix documentary about how can you be PH in a Mercedes? And then lo and behold, the same guy he criticized was the same guy that ended up out-qualifying being Bottas. So you do have to be careful about what you say and, you know, stuff like that but yeah i think it's too early for people to really make those comments about him people need to give him a fair chance and ultimately we know the situation this year it's not going to be mercedes dominance at least from the beginning so i think that that fair time is due but then that kind of brings us on to a more positive note in p uh p5 geez p5 special k the danish viking you know um this k mag with a brilliant performance mm-hmm. you know i'll say that he had a decent start to the race it seemed that the balance of the house is a bit tricky to get under control because he locked up a couple of times lost a bit of track position there but ultimately to see a house confidently in the in the points love to see it that's an underdog story i can get jiggy with and uh i'll let rj kind of talk about that too being our resident american oh player. man so hype so ironically enough um Twitter this week, a lot of camaraderie in America against Haas, but weirdly enough, there were Williams commercials on TV in different parts of America because apparently Williams is now owned by a a collective group or or part of it is by American teams. So don't want to get it wrong, American fans. Haas is our team until possibly Andretti comes in. We just scored more points in one race than this team scored in the last two seasons. That is a fat w big win uh i am beyond cloud nine right now um for my misery again to go back to mclaren later but this was huge kevin magnuson proving that he could do it i also love it too because if you watch drive to survive the best point of it all is mazepin if you're listening you are itching about the cars not being the same yours being worse bro this guy just took your car took it to p5 had a absolutely, I thought, you know, brilliant race. I don't use that word too often here in the States, but I will say it was brilliant because it was. Um, and I'm really excited to see what the team can do. Uh, I think going forward, Gunter Stein, I would love to be partying with that guy tonight because you know he's about to go wild. Um, I know our next resident. Yeah. <laughs> our next resident fan, though, Rory. Um, man, let, let's get a reaction from you. I need I need a live take right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I has just had some Irish connections as well. They are sponsored by an Irish cryptocurrency company as well. So I have relations to Haas in some way. <laughs> anyway, no, make that claim, Rory. 
Yep. Yeah, I need, to, I need to do a DNA t- a test, actually, to confirm that. Ancestry.com. <laughs> if you're listening, send one to Rory's house. I'm sponsor us, by the way, too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, but Haas, yes, I'm so happy for Haas. Like, even, like I already mentioned, the, the most points they ever scored in, in two seasons. It was the first time they reached Q3 in qualifying since 2019 in Brazil. I think that was Magnussen as well who got into back then. So, yeah, it was amazing. I feel so happy for Gunther Steiner that he's had to deal with all this all this craziness, rich energy, the the Mazepins, yeah, everything. So I hope that it, this will be the start of some brighter days for Haas. And like even like Magnuson coming like 14 months out of an F1 car with about three days of testing. And like, yeah, he looks like he never left. And I think he, he's going to get stronger in that car when he gets more, even more comfortable with it. Um, I think Gunter Steiner now is the, is everyone is the people's team principal. He's he's the most loved <laughs> team principal now, and I think Haas as well is one of our set like it's like everyone's soft spot now. Like what 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 happened to them and now that they're doing so good. But and Schumacher like P eleven today we're going to mention to him later on. But yeah, like he was even points a bit. He got a bit unlucky with the safety car that he, he was on thirteen year olds thirteen lap. 13-year-old lap, like, 13 lap. Oh, God, I'm, I'm so happy for 13 Hass, laps man. old, yeah, soft yeah, tires. Yeah, <laughs> Tongue twister there. Why, yeah, then he, uh, that's why he fell back down the field. But, yeah, I'm so happy for Haas. I just, like, P3 and Constructors, it's only the first race of the season, but I think they're definitely going to be up there. Like, like could be up, even beat McLaren this year. Like, they could be, if, I won't be surprised to get a podium this year in some races. Like, because you saw how, like, say if, like, Mercedes had an issue, so Magnussen would have been on the podium. Like, it's that, it's that crazy. Like, so, yeah. Like, Dan, do you have anything to say about Haas? Well, I was going to echo some of the sentiments uh, RJ made. And you see, Haas, what happens when you leave a toxic relationship. You see how your skin's just blossoming. Everything's looking all Gucci. You're just enjoying that free space. You don't have the baggage of Mazepin. And you're just flourishing. And, you know, as all the fans, even this is a new... Well, I wouldn't say I'm a neutral, but I'm neutral to Haas. I have no affiliation with them. I'm not American. Like, I have no ties to them whatsoever. I'm loving it, you know, because you love seeing an underdog do well and fight with the Giants. And they've been through so much hardship through the years. So I'm very, very pleased for them. I, I couldn't think of a, a nicer guy in Magnuson to get that P5. And any doubts or reservations that people had about him, I think he's completely just blown out of the room because even people questioning him and whether or not a much younger driver should get that seat. And I don't really think... I couldn't put my hat on many people securing a, a top five in a house in the first race. So amazing. But okay, we'll move on from them and we'll do the next four um, in, in succession. So you've got Bottas, P6, Ocon, P7, Sonoda, P8, and Alonso, El Plan, or El Payne, P9. <laughs> so we touched on Ocon. Again, great recovery because if he did get a five-second penalty and that was applied, for him to still finish P7, I think it's quite a good feat for him. And boy, he's put, on, he's put Uncle Alonso back in the retirement home because, you know, a lot of people were quick to kind of get onto Ocon and said he's had a couple of years in, in the team, in, the, in in Formula One, and that he should be going toe-to-toe with Alonso. And he's done it. And for what I could see ocularly in the race, he was faster than Alonso for the majority of it. There wasn't a time where I was like, okay, maybe they should give Alonso preferential treatment or the best strategy Ocon just outrightly outpaced him. What was your guys' take on, on him this weekend? I'll start. Um, I think um, I think Ocon, yeah, you saw a number of times that 
when Ockham got past Alonso, it looked like there was team orders in play because it was so easy done. Like, but I think Ockham was much definitely like oh, Alonso had the more one lap pace, but Ockham had the race pace, and you saw that today. Um, a lot like I thought honestly, Alpine were going to do a lot worse today because of what happened in testing with their Alpine um engine exploding and all like that. Um, yeah, and then. The other drivers we had Snowda, uh, yeah, good recovery. Like Gaz, Gaz, Gazi was running in the points as well, and then to get just a rec- back up as with Snowda there, and then Bottas is like the big talking point in a sense in an Alfa Romeo qualifying P six, uh, right under the same row as Lewis Hamilton, and it's like, uh, it's, like it's it's just like uh, it's a joke. It's like uh, it's like. Uh, Mercedes, it's Valtteri. Just thinking, like when uh, Russell, <laughs> Russell uh, qualifying P9, and like thinking, oh, this is what you re- you replaced me with. <laughs> but like honestly, we all know why Russell had his I- issues. But yeah, I think for, uh, Alpha has a good pace, a uh, good pace, a good race pace, a good on one lap pace, and I think we're going to mention his teammate as well later on. But I think Bottas is, is comfortable in that car. He knows what he's able to push. He's able to push and race. And today he was one of the stars of the show, doing like a lot of overtaking. He was on the t on the TV a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for Bottas that he's he's going to be able to be a team leader, grow into that team, help the team push forward, even maybe improve this car into the seasons to come. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Archie, your take? Yeah, I think going with Bottas again. I think that just proves really with Alfa Romero where they were last season in the constructors' championship, pretty much down towards the bottom right near Haas. It just goes back to Ferrari's power unit, how much they kind of hit that nail on the head. Um, I was excited to see him there. I'm, you know, there was some discussion online, you know, will he, is he going to be able to challenge, you know, Mercedes and Red Bull and stuff like that? I, I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I think in certain races he definitely will be. Um, so that's a kind of a car to, to, to look out for. I, I almost might consider him in a weird way um, too early again to kind of predict, but him and Magnuson, if they can keep that same pace, might be equivalent to kind of like a Lando Norris from last year where they might be really close to getting a podium, but maybe not consistently there all the time. Um, Ocon, uh, going with him and also Alonzo, I'm just going to pretty much mirror exactly uh, what Rory said there too. I mean, uh, Ocon definitely had more of the pace than Alonzo. Um, who knows where that team will go this year if L plan will somehow pan out, but they could have a chance to be one of the better midfield teams possibly. Um, I know we had chatted about Sonoda as well, and I, I got my stock kind of high on him for whatever reason, just because I think he's hilarious. So uh, again, that P16 to P8 was pretty nice. But I mean, Ocon bouncing up four places, I will say was more impressive. If you think of anything, that just goes back to also say that Alonzo dropped one place. So we already know he's really good at qualifying, but maybe the race pace of his car is still something that really needs to improve as well. So that'll be interesting to see as the season goes on here. Yeah, that's so true. And I think mm-hmm. it's actually, for me, like a bigger year for Alonso than it is Ocon because this is what he wanted. He wanted a completely new set of regs. Uh, Alpine have promised him that they're going to build him a championship winning car. So, you know, if they're not challenging for that in the next six, seven races, I feel that we're going to start seeing a lot more feisty radio messages and maybe mm-hmm. a self-implosion there. So that's one to watch. Uh, with 
Ocon, yeah, touched on him as well. I think he did amazing, again, to even supersede that five-second penalty. But as uh, Rhett, you mentioned a great point where it seems that all the Ferrari-powered teams seem to have taken a step up. And, you know, it's not just a case of them just, like, set, like basically turning the engine up high and you know, doing it. Like, they actually survived an entire Grand Prix. And other than, like, the three Red Bull teams, essentially, all of them got through. So amazing for them as well. Uh, Yuki, oh, Yuki, Yuki, I love him, honestly, he's like one of my favorite drivers, man, he just says it as it is, no filter, uncompromising, and again, very measured, very respectful, very professional drive today, didn't put really a foot wrong, um, got the points for AlphaTauri when Gasly unfortunately couldn't do it, so you have to give him his, uh, his praise, and his stocks are quite high, as Red mentioned, and that's going to bring me on to uh, P10, because I wanted to just do this guy separately, because... Yeah, just for me, that is, I think it's worthy of this like a, a separate shout out. You know, uh, Zhou Guan Yu, because uh, I know that we've kind of been saying it. The other <laughs> yeah, way we say it the other way. Yeah. The last but there. Amazing, amazing performance for him on his debut race to get P10 for Alfa Romeo. Bear in mind, guys, Alfa Romeo was a team where the car was late testing, they were the latest team to unveil a new car. You're running around in like a stealthy livery, which was not giving them any additional horsepowers as it was breaking down quite a lot in um, Barcelona. And again, just they've managed to come out and really just do super well. And I'm so proud of Guan Yu Zhou as well, because for a rookie and, you know, some people are going to allude to the fact that, you know, he's not a typical driver. You could say that he comes from a bit of money. The pressure was always going to be on him. And people are going to look for any opportunity to classify him as the next Mazepin or the next Stroll. But again, he's just kept his head down, not done too much talking, done his talking on the track. And well-deserved points finish. To have two Alfa Romeo's in the points, you know, it's great and awesome achievement for Alfa Romeo. And I didn't know, Rory, if you wanted to add any points on that. Yeah, I'll be honest. I had my doubts about Jogranju. Sorry for my pronunciation, but I definitely think, um, yeah, I, I thought he was going. He was, Bottas was going to beat him considerably this year. He wasn't going to score much points, but I've been proven wrong by him. Fair play to as uh, him. Like uh, I, I was proven wrong, and everyone else who probably uh, thought the same way. But yeah, I think he could score like he like in qualifying. Bottas had the edge over him because we know Bottas is a like it's only like it was his first race in F one car, and Bottas has been doing this for a number of years and seasons. So yeah, I I think the race he definitely showed like it was one incident. I remember where it was like Albon, Bottas, and uh, Joe like and there were two Alphas were basically pushing Albon along at the time like, and like he didn't he was making some amazing moves like and yeah I I'm very happy for Alpha and happy with. Happy, like you could see it in the post race for Joe Guan Yu. Um, about like you, you could see the emotion in him that, like you said, he did he did his talking on track, he didn't like he's very quiet, unlike Mazepin, who uh, who said, like, I, I'll, I'll do the talking on track and never did. So, yeah, I think I don't think we can classify him now as pig. Like, he does have money, but I don't think we can classify him like a like a Latifi. Like, I think he's definitely he's definitely so far has earned his spot in F1. Yeah, spot on. And Rhett, any any contributions you're gonna add yeah. to our little, well, uh, you know, show pot? Exactly. Well, while it's not fresh in my head, I would just say now he's a driver worth paying for. At least, you know, he's got the points. Mazepis is only not even worth wasting my breath on that loser. But yeah, I'll keep it at that. But for for him though, um, 
I'm just reading, you know, on his Twitter handle, his, his pin tweet right now. He just said, you know, there's a photo of him after the race. He's kind of got emotion. I don't know if this is uh, um, someone with the team he's with, but he just says, I'm speechless. P10 on my F1 debut. Man, I could not have only dreamed about that. I have no words. Thank you. So I, I think he's, you know, I, I don't want to call him an early class act, but um, I'm sure he's probably swept away with emotion. And you got to remember, too, in some ways, he was battling with Mick Schumacher for that last place, another driver who has never had a point before. So um, to see that, I think, was really cool. And I think that comes back to the whole point of, of this is one of the reasons why people love F1. This is a great storyline. Points are not um, for us. And it just goes back to prove to how much crazy of a season this could be, you know. Absolutely. I think some very fair points there. Very solid. And yeah, I absolutely agree as well. And I just like the kid. You know, he comes across really humble. There's a lot of pressure on him with him being the first Chinese driver as well. And he's mm-hmm. made everybody proud. You know, I'm very happy with the way he's behaved. And, you know, um, he needs people need to be careful as well not to put too much pressure on him at this early stage. Because I remember Sonoda had a great debut in Bahrain and then had a couple of ups and downs as the season progressed. So got to bear in mind he's a rookie. He's still going to learn. There might be some mistakes coming up, but... Yeah, the kid looks solid, and that's what we love to see. So, okay, that's our top 10. So now we'll basically go through the next set from P11 down to the non-finishers. So let's do the next three, and then there's a reason why I'm going to leave the next two afterwards, because that McLaren smoke's coming. But, uh, okay, P11, Mick Schumacher, P12, Stroh, and then P13, Alex Alban. Guys, I'll let you take the floor on this. I will, I'll start, I think. I think uh, Schumacher, I want to point out, like, P11, but he, he did it on a two-stop compared to everyone else around him. He did three stops. Fair play to him. Like, 30, mm-hmm. uh, when the safety car restart happened, it was like he was on 13 uh, lap old uh, softs. So, like, he was a bit... Uh, did it, he wanted to keep track position, so he didn't want like that. But, yeah, I think he was close. He was going, like you said, um, or did, like, or it was a dent, that he was fighting for his first points, like, and... He, he really wanted it, and I say he'd be upset about it, but he knows that this car has potential. And But I think this weekend, I kind of thought the car was controlling him. He even admitted that he wasn't in control of the car. He didn't have like his balance right, his setup right. So, yeah, I think he's got, he'll, he'll learn from this today, and he will get even better. Um, Stroll, I'm, I think the safety car helped him out a lot. Besides that, Hulkenberg was, he's behind Hulkenberg for a bit. Then Hulkenberg locked up and then he got passed. And yeah, I don't think that, that Aston Martin is looking terrible to drive. Like it's suffering with the porpoising. Like they're saying it could be costing him about seven tenths a second per lap. Yeah. So it's that's that's not looking good. And I, I think they're gonna they could be down if they don't get anything sorted, they could be like last year down seventh in the championship. And I don't if that happens like Sebastian Vettel might not stick around for that long, like so mm-hmm. Yeah, or do you have anything to say or continue on? Yeah, I think it, it comes down to it, though, is when you have big money in some ways, because I look at the the changes Aston Martin actually made uh, this offseason. You know, we, we got him talking about a factory opening up. Uh, we have the, the departure of, you know, what was their former team principal. Um, and Mike now crack. we got Mike Crack coming in now. Yep, Mike Crick. Um, sh- shout out to Crick. Um, <laughs> not your crack, Mike. Crack, not the bad, not the bad crack, the good crack. Yeah, exactly. 
but I, I think it might have been too many changes for him. And the one thing that they were talking about too on the analysis um, from the the more the technical spec side was the fact that, um, which will be interesting this year, was the fact that the ride height of where they are could be inducing more of the porpoising. So they need a few races to really level that out. But the 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 kicker comes in with how much money you have to develop the cars and trying to slowly pace it out and not make the changes too quick because you're going to burn through your budget cap. So that's a huge thing. I think unfortunate they're going to have to deal with, um, will that hopefully, you know, change their race pace? Yes. I hope so for Vettel's sake as well, but, um, that could be a team where I think it's going to take them quite a while to get it right. So. Yeah, great points there, RJ. And I'd echo the kind of points you mentioned as well in relation to the architectural changes at Aston Martins. Quite a lot of new things, as you mentioned. They want basically a new factory. They've got a new title sponsor in Aramco. Um, we've seen Otmar Savnawa leave for Alpine and then Mike mm-hmm. Crack come in as well. It's a lot. And yeah, you have to kind of be a bit concerned for them because they've been on the back foot now for a bit of time you would have thought that the Stroll consortium investment would have elevated them from being just like, you know, a midfield runner, rider, a challenger. But to me, it's unfolding that they might stagnate or if anything, be worse off, you know, and I don't, in time, I guess we're going to be able to see whether or not they made the right decision because bear in mind, they had those two previous years where they copied the Mercedes, they had a copycat car. You would have thought that they would have learned fundamentally what would make a championship winning car. But then again, with the new rule regulations coming in, everything goes back to square zero again. So mm-hmm. is anything that they did previously going to be applicable to what they're doing now? It appears not. And like you mentioned too, if they're having issues with ride height, it might be something to do with the suspension, but is it a case of them having to completely change the, the geometry of the car? If they have to do that, how far will that set them back? And I know that, to be honest with you, with you guys, they, they have tried to manage expectations and say, listen, you know, we're not expecting to be fighting for championships. This is a long-term project, but how long can you call it a long-term project? Because we touched on this earlier, and we were saying, like, you know, obviously... Alpine promised uh, Fernando Alonso a championship winning car and right now I don't see it so are you better off giving that seat to somebody like Oscar Piastri that can grow with that team and you have longevity in a, in a star like that so I'll move off from them uh, we touched on Schumacher too so I'll leave him the British born Thai driver the Thai sensation Alex Alburn and again I'm not naming names I'm just, I'm just saying you know whoever put that house on uh, Latifi being Alban, yeah, they, they might be looking to buy some Lego real soon to, to rebuild another <laughs> house. Cause Yeah, Rory, what about this Latifi podium? That was a really hot take you had earlier. Are you still feeling confident in that, or what's going on there, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's say it's in the works still. I have believe no, the, go- the goatee P will come through. He will... He will, uh, like he's like we'll, we'll mention him later on, but I, I I'm yeah I might have to, I I think I've lost the roof the house at the minute so I have to rebuild <laughs> the roof. But, but yeah, I'm happy for Albon. I I I definitely I thought Latifi would be closer, but I honestly think now Latifi doesn't deserve to be an F1. They, I'm not, I just I don't want to be too harsh on Latifi, but I think he he'd be gone. He's going to be gone if he continues like this being qualifying P20. I think he's going to be gone by. 
Williams will not won't keep him. But yeah, Albon, yeah, first time Williams were in Q two since uh for uh, since twenty seventeen in Bahrain, I think. So big improvements there. He was I don't know if he was in the, he was near the points a bit in the race, but yeah, I think that's where the Williams are now. They could we don't we'll have to see how they do in Jeddah next week, but yeah, happy for Albon. I think Williams would probably be disappointed with like one half decided and the other half they'd be happy with not the other with Latifi side. But yeah, I <laughs> the Latifi house podium is is has been stalled at the minute. Yeah, all right. So you're still in construction. I see. <laughs> Let's hope you finish that construction. Bob the builder. Yes, we can. Uh, as that story <laughs> develops. And then guys, I'm not even gonna say nothing. Because you see the great words of George um Jose Mourinho. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> Boys, talk to me nicely. What's happening down there at McLaren? Because in the home, well, in the second home race, bear in mind, for those who don't know, McLaren have a big um, ownership stake from Bahraini owners. This is essentially their second home race. And they had a stinker from the grave. And everyone's going to feel the pressure there. You know, Ricardo's going to be feeling the pressure there. Lando's going to be feeling the pressure there. Zach Brown, boy. I hope, I hope, Rick, I don't know, I know if you're, I don't know if you're going to be staying up to watch IndyCar. I hope that, uh, uh, either, I think it's uh, Felix Rosenquist or Pato Award could do something for the McLaren Arrows team on the other side of the pond. Because right now, mm. Mm, talk to me, guys. Tell me what's happening there at McLaren. Well, I'll start off in saying that the IndyCar race did happen, so I won't ruin the results for you, because that's actually on the local time where it should matter here. A um, little bit difference in zoning, but uh, man, okay, so like I had said before, and I don't know who posted it, might have been Formula Latest, where the McLaren tires with their new Google sponsorship was essentially replaced by Internet Explorer, AOL dial-up, and, and that's that's the that's the nail on the flipping head, to say the least. Um uh, where to even get started? I mean, Ricardo was already off on the back foot. Um, and Rory and I had talked about this before where, you know, they had some decent Bahrain testing. He gets COVID. He can't, you know, really not really qualifying at all. He goes P18, can't get out of Q1, which is just depressing in the first point. Um, right now, I will say uh, the first stage is denial. Um, I'm not going to admit that anything's wrong yet. I'm going to give it a few races in a lot of ways. I think you could consider what's going on with McLaren and Aston Martin. If you're trying to be um, um, a positive light, this is just a glorified testing for them, you know, really trying to see what not, what to do or not to do. Uh, Lando, Lando Norris at one point was over a lap down, like halfway in the race. He had pitted four times. Um, It just did not look good. I took my McLaren, um, the only f1 merch i own um i took my jacket off and i've been here on the beach and i've been living and loving life ever since so stage one is denial um i'm really curious yep in anger as well um it's funny i can just picture right now daniel ricardo sitting in a mclaren watching the roof on uh rory's uh latifi podium house coming down and collapsing and just being chill in the car and waiting um, but my biggest concern, honestly, and I, I don't want to be someone who overreacts too soon, but um, I love Daniel Ricardo. He's the reason why I really got into F1. When Drive to Survive was still good. Season one, he's a great voice uh, for the sport and everything like that. He's had his own issues and, and really been a journeyman around it. I just don't want this season to 
to be the nail in Daniel Ricardo's career that's been so great. So that's my biggest worry, but I'm optimistic. It's only one race. I mean, they came back. He was an he was an 18th. He finished out 15th. So even if they're at the back of the pack, um, it's still a long season. And I'm optimistic. And if there's anyone I want to see in the points or on the podium, it's them. It's just uh, it's just depressing to see a team that was a midfield team possibly be at the back of the pack. So I'll leave it at that. Um, I know the next biggest uh, McLaren or Ricardo fan here is uh, sitting right next to me. <laughs> um, Rory, Rory, my man, did I miss anything? <laughs> What's going on there, Rory? I think I've um, I've um, I'm on the uh, no, how would you say it? I uh, I'm digging Daniel Carlos grave at the minute. I'm a McLaren's grave at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ricardo fans, if you're listening, I am a Ricardo fan. I I I give. I kind of gave a little bit of slack, not slack for Carl. I kind of gave him a bit of breathing space because he missed he had he missed three days of testing Bahrain because of COVID. This weekend, the reliability issues like he had a water leak that stopped him on FP two. Then they couldn't do the curfew because they already done a curfew the night before. So um, they had to re- stop what they're doing on Friday night and go in and start back in the morning before FP three started. And then when he got out about like with twenty minutes to go left in session. He qualified P18, which if I saw the radio message, it was like P18, Daniel, okay. And then just went on. He kind of knew himself that he wasn't comfortable with the car. Then, yeah, both McLaren's had a terrible start into the race. And actually, yeah, I think Daniel Carr actually, uh, correcting order, he actually finished 14th ahead of Norris. Oh, yes. and I actually thought it was four stops he did. I'm looking at the thing, and F1 actually said he did three stops. He said, how did that happen? Ricard, like, it looked like he did four stops when he... Because I didn't think Ricardo would have overtaken Norris because he didn't have the pace. But, yeah, I think... I thought Norris, how he doesn't qualify, and, like, when even saw last year, he got... he I think he got the most out of that car when he shouldn't have, like... Like, you saw where... Even last year in Bahrain, the McLarens weren't that high up. But... I think they are struggling this year, and if it be, if it, be, it won't be funny, but uh, it's sad to see that Haas could be the new um, no, Al, Alf, no, McLaren could be the new Haas. If anyone has seen the office meme, there's a meme going around where it's how like the turntables have turned, and it's like it's like the three of them. It's like Ferrari, Alpha, and um, Alpha and Haas, and then the other two, like the two managers, are like. It's McLaren and Aston Martin, like so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think someone was saying that McLaren could have got their like concept completely wrong for this year. Like, yeah, I think uh, as well as you saw last year when they do the tire test that they were testing the LED like light uh, the tire panels. I think they should do where if that came in, <laughs> like you said with the Internet Explorer, just change the Internet Explorer or do you know like when you have no Wi-Fi, it's like the dinosaur emoji, like just to the through the dinosaur <laughs> yep. when they like con- when they conk out or something like that. But yeah, I think it's sad to see McLaren. Like and I even though I saw like when say Lando came in or Daniel came into the pits and he went off, you can see the body language of McLaren, they looked so depressed. Like they they thought they were gonna be like up there and yeah i think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long time it's gonna be a long hard season for them so far yeah there's one comment we did get back from uh some viewers saying that they wish we would have added more to the um quote unquote odds or betting section of the podcast so i'm not going to introduce that now maybe it's a pre-race thing we do but i will give um a shout out to uh the sector four um 
he was talking about bets for this past week, and I thought they're actually pretty interesting. Lewis Hamilton to podium at plus 225 pretty much seemed too good to be true if you're into betting, and that did come out plus 1400 if you took that. And then on top of it, the odds for Ricardo um, to actually finish his racing group were plus 550. So if you took those with Ricardo, great betting. Hopefully next time I can uh, preface on it a little bit more, but just want to include that before we forgot. And uh, one quick talking point going back to what we had had to my uh, two F1 friends here um, across the pond that know a little bit more, bro- a little bit more about F1 than I do. Um, curious talking point here. People had said that they thought Saez was crazy to leave McLaren, go to Ferrari, and Ricardo steps into Ferrari. And someone actually had made a good point where they think it's like. Carlos Saez's career has had the upward trajectory in comparison to where Daniel Ricardo's has had the same but negative downward trajectory. Would either of you guys agree with that? So essentially, they've almost traded places where one's the potential's actually been there and gone forward with with uh, Carlos, and the other ones had the potential, but just consistently seems to downtrend in some ways. Too early to say that at all. Um. It's tough because I believe that they're both talented drivers. If you give them a competitive car, they will give you the results. But it's interesting because I feel that for science, in his earlier parts of his career, he was living under the shadows of Max when they were at Toro Rosso back in the day. And then it never seemed like he was going to get a big opportunity to drive for like a big manufacturer. I know he did a stint at Renault, but again, they haven't been competitive for years. So it's nice that he's got his break. And then as for Ricardo too, bear in mind, he was at Red Bull. Red Bull had a championship winning car last year. So if he was able to sustain the pressure or maybe the um, internal politics of being with Max, could have been him. But with Daniel, like you said, he's a bit of a journeyman. And sometimes running away from your problems doesn't solve it. And it's, it's evident now because... You know, he moved from Red Bull. He's gone to, what is it? Renault. Renault. Then from Renault to McLaren. And he's no way better off than he was before. And he made that decision. No one made it for him. He, he wasn't pushed out. So I do feel sorry for him because, as you said, he's a great guy, great ambassador for the sport. But ultimately, Formula One's not just about being the fastest driver on the grid. It's also about making the right decisions. And... When science moved to Ferrari, everybody was like slagging Ferrari off. No one really had much confidence that they were going to be winning a championship anytime soon based on a lot of strategic errors that they had made during the whole Seb Vettel charge and then the engine blunder and how they dealt with that. And science took the opportunity and it, it should pay off for him, you know? So definitely, there's the, you've got to look at it from that aspect. And science moving to Ferrari, I think, is a bit like Lewis moving to Mercedes in a sense, from when Lewis left McLaren to leave and go to Mercedes, even though McLaren were underperforming for years, people were still saying, ah, Lewis has gone for the money. Oh, he's not going to be competitive there. Oh, he's making the wrong decision. He's throwing his career away. Look, you know, the most dominant team. I don't think there's any team in any sport that won eight back-to-back consecutive championships, whether that is the constructors. You know, and it paid off for Lewis and having that time, having that patience, trying to be part of a project and trying to make it better. Sometimes it's the way to go rather than he have a switch team, switch team, do this, do that. Mm-hmm. And Daniel is running out of teams he could swap to because I don't see, based on his performances, him getting a chance at 
um, Mercedes. I don't see a reason for Red Bull to take him back. Ferrari are more than content with the future starring they have. So he's done that to himself, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I I would say like since Red Bull leaving Red Bull Lights went to McLaren, he went to Renault, sorry, and the first year in Renault he did all right. Second season he got two podiums, and I think ever since he left Renault when he was comfortable with that car, I think he, he, he we all thought he would mop Lando in in like um in the season last season, and that didn't happen. Like he got the race win, of course, but overall Lando like dominated him. Like, and I think. I think ever since he left Renault, it's been downhill. I think he was okay. Like he was one. He's in when he's in twenty twenty. He was rated one of the top five drivers on the grid, like or top six, like. And now he's. I. I think I still rate him that, but I don't. On his day, I would say, but now he's just. He's not. I don't even think he gets top ten for me. But, yeah, I think he's running out of teams. I unless he wants to go to. Ha- um, I don't see him go to Haas, but like I think I see him going to Aston Martin. So. When Vettel leaves, if he wants to, or, or someone's mentioned one of our spaces that say if he leaves McLaren and Pat Ward wins the championship this year in IndyCar and he wants uh, Pat Ward coming, uh, Zach Brown wants Pat Ward coming to, in, to McLaren F1, um, Zach Brown might say, Daniel, you might have a chance to go and win the IndyCar championship, so go try IndyCar. So that could happen. I think as well, going back to McLaren, I think Zach Brown, I think Zach Brown is now feeling that. He he let go of amazing talent with Carlos Sainz. He's regret like he sees like he's he he like he raised Carlos Sainz as a driver and he he knew what he's he's he let go and Ferrari now has him and and so I think Sainz got helped was a major part in getting Ferrari into into the top three in the constructors last year. Definitely to add to that point, you know, Sainz he's they don't call him the smooth operator for no reason. And yeah, he's just he's there to just steady the ship. He's just he's so consistent. And for, for Ferrari, you know, they were running around like headless chickens, and they had like lots of memes, Benalla, you know, master like plan. Uh, yeah, master plan, all these things. And it was clear that you know they were really struggling because Ferrari, they haven't really been to the races since I think Schumacher left them. Obviously, they had a championship win with Kimi Raikkonen in 07. And a couple of things here and there too, but ultimately, yeah, just they've never convincingly owned or mastered like a, a whole series, and it's so key for them to be able to push, to be able to do everything they can. And I, I'm really happy that Bonotto's bringing that calmness there, but also science too. He's not as erratic or not as all that I think Charles's erraticness and craziness. It helps him, like what we saw today with that crazy move on Verstappen. I think you do need a bit of stability there too, and it's great that they do that. But to answer RJ's point, yeah, like it's sad because I don't want to see Ricardo struggling, man. He he deserves mm-hmm. so much more, and it makes me sad, you know, when I see him leave. He, he wouldn't even take off his helmet in qualifying yesterday because he's so embarrassed, and it's not just on him because bear in mind he's just come back from COVID, but. At some point, you do have to take responsibility, and maybe for Ricardo, maybe a year in IndyCar, like what Rory said, is a brilliant point. That might just do him the world of good, you know. And I could see him in IndyCar. I could see him doing something like that and challenging for Indy 500 or something like that. And maybe that's what McLaren need too, because Pato Ward, being a Mexican driver, he's very feisty. Pato, he doesn't like you know leave much to the imagination. He does push people quite hard, so. Maybe that's what they need. And 
unfortunately, I feel whilst this continues, Zach Brown's going to be under a lot of pressure too. And I don't want to see him leave, but again, McLaren can be just as ruthless when it comes to moving around their structure if they want particular results. So, yeah, but okay, what we'll do then, um, we'll look at the remaining finishers, and there's only two. So, Latifi, again, Rory's house looking a bit, uh, yeah, shaky there. <laughs> and then, Hulkenberg, and you know what? I know that he's finished last, essentially, out of the finishers. But again, credit to him, because he had a couple of mistakes there with locking up, but all the drivers have been locking up. It's clear mm. that Aston Martin isn't as competitive as we thought it would be, which is a shame. But again, is it a Mercedes-powered thing? Because again, it's the Mercedes-powered teams that are kind of, other than Mercedes, that don't really seem to be punching right now. And yeah, with Hulkenberg, funny fact I wanted to bring in for you guys is um, Hulkenberg was told that he couldn't come in for a pit stop because his car was too hot. The car was overheating so badly that he's getting messages on radio on the steering wheel saying cool in big blue letters. <laughs> and the team were essentially saying to him, you've got to try and bring down the temperatures of the car in terms of the engine and the brakes. Because if you come in for a pit stop, that moment that you're stationary for so many seconds, it could potentially cause the brakes to fail or the engine to completely overheat, which is crazy to me too. Because on one side, it's lovely to see, and I think that's a point that we need to mention as well, that your racing is a lot closer. Cars are able to follow, even though you're not seeing as... Well, the overtakes are not like coming thick and fast. It's that kind of, like, you know, almost like... Don't need to be crude here, but foreplay coming up to the overtake, <laughs> growing, you know, and yeah, it's just, it's just nice to see. But at the same time, Bahrain is a very specific circuit with the overheating. And for Nico, I guess it was like almost going back to basics with how to drive this car, how to keep the temperatures under certain controls. And be interesting to see as well if um, he's going to sub in for Seb for Jeddah, which is next week, or whether uh, Seb's going to come back. What were your thoughts on this performance? It's got to be as hard as you can possibly get, though, to, to be where he was. It's almost like he was in a in a weird way, like a glorified kind of Kevin Magnuson type position. Um, if he does come back with him, I mean, I, I don't really know if there's going to be high expectations. It is nice to see him back. I mean, even more so now, I'm more happy, obviously, that uh, K-Mag's back in that high seat more than Hulkenberg. Uh, so that, that was kind of nice to see, but... I don't really know what expectations you could have for a driver like that, especially with, with it. I, th I think maybe he'll be in close communications with, uh, with Vettel, if Vettel can still be on the simulator just to try to hopefully help him out. Um, but that does bring up a good point too, even to the, even to the fact where will they be a little bit more strict when it comes to COVID regulations in F1, just because we saw Daniel Ricardo and Vettel getting it now. And that's something too, if based on how this season's going, um, who knows if someone else on the top of the grid catches it, which hopefully not, but I have no real expectations for Hulkenberg, but uh, it's pretty clear that they have the work cut out for him, regardless of who's driving. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, sorry, Rory, like um, on that COVID point as well, I think it's interesting because coming into this race weekend, uh, the ARCs drivers, what are their thoughts on it? And it was quite clear that there's a bit of a division because like Perez was saying, oh, yeah, yeah, no, let us drive, even with COVID, which I think is crazy. I don't think they should be doing that at all. And then, you know, I really like how Mick came out and he's such a well-trained, well-media 
trained like guy he gave a very diplomatic response and he said no because if i have covid and i give it to one of my mechanics and it makes them seriously unwell or it makes one of their family members seriously unwell i'd feel so guilty but like rj said yeah it, it, it's a very interesting one and then also a little drive to survive reference too there's a lot of rumors and i don't want to like get into speculation of it that max might have potentially had it or was seriously unwell in Jeddah. And he really did. Like some pictures came up, and his eyes like really blue, and he looked dehydrated. Yeah, I, I don't think it'd be nice for a driver to have to sit through that. But again, everybody's symptoms are different. Some people get mm-hmm. worse than others. So it it does. I think that there's a guideline that they should follow, but everyone has their own answers on that. So yeah, but I'll let Rory kind of say his point as well. Yeah, I think we're like or just saying if say Hulkenberg was in for uh, Jeddah and if uh, said was on podium. Let's say it was on similar, sorry, not on the podium. That can't happen. But um hey, was, you never know. Uh, yeah, you can see um it, it, I don't know, it was all shared on Twitter by Aston Martin that they have provided Sebastian with his own home simulator, proper simulator. It's like a proper like uh like uh the mono the monocoque car, no halo, but and then just the, the proper simulator screen. It doesn't move like it being simulator, but it's like where he can just like he can get it's it links with the factory and he's able to do it. But yeah, I think um yeah, I think Hulkenberg, I agree with Orgy, I think I definitely want uh, prefer Kevin Magnuson in that car in the Haas than Hulkenberg. But it, that could be just because the asset, we didn't see the full potential of Hulkenberg. Well, he did. I think did he outqualify Stroll? No, I think I think Stroll might. In fact, let's find out because I know people are going to be quick to uh, <laughs> pull us up on it. So qualifying, I'm just on the tab now. So Hulkenberg P17, mm. and let's see. Oh yeah, he outqualified Stroll. Okay, so, so yeah. Again, you can't really knock him too hard, I guess, if, if he out-qualified Stroll. I and mean, you have to bear in mind with Hulkenberg, they asked him, had he had, like driven the Aston Martin privately? No. Have you done any sort of like sports car racing? No. No. You know, and again, <laughs> him and Mag are like, you know, new like uh, fathers of newborn yeah. babies as well. So, yeah, this is a guy that's not really in condition in terms of, like footballing mm-hmm. terms. But, you know, again... If the car was more competitive, I'm sure he'd be able to drag it up there. So I think that's a reflection on Aston Martin. And um, it won't be too long until some heads roll because I know that they're doing the whole media thing of it's a long-term project, but how long is the long-term project? So, like like you said, like remember when Alpine, when Renault at the time said we from 2016 to 2021, I think, five years, like they said, we're going to win the championship and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even get like a race win. We got a race win in 2021, but... Like even asked, like they don't want to tur- like saying. I think it's like a five-year plan for this, t- this from the, uh, this year or last year onwards. So another second year, I think. And like they don't want to be, be like Renault and say we're not going to not win a race till the like they got podiums, but don't, not win a race till like the last year of that um that cycle. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's so tricky because. Again, there's a lot of pressure at teams like Alpine or Renault too because people just see it as Alpine or Renault, but people also forget that um, Renault form a huge like group of other manufacturers, Mitsubishi. There's also other manufacturers that are part of like the parent company and they're expected to challenge the likes of Ferrari, Mercedes and other manufacturers. And maybe also you could say that it's a bit of a catch-22 situation for Alpine because they don't have a sister team that they can run engines in, you know, get that kind of data 
because a lot of what we're seeing is a data collection exercise for the first couple of races, testing sessions. So it is quite key. But then on the topic of uh, engines and reliability, let's get to the free amigos, <laughs> the, the free bulls. They say Red Bull is giving you energy, but there wasn't much energy in um, the, the Red Bull powertrain engines. Uh, I'll let Rory take this one away. <laughs> Mate, what happened? I'm shocked as any Red Bull fan from the week half. We had the reliability. Like, we only had a few, like, like one, I think one breakdown with Perez, and the rest were fine. Like, no issues with Max during testing. And yeah, I'll go into the details. So, first, Alpha Tari uh, with Gasly retired. That was due to the MGUH failure. And, like, Ben said earlier on the podcast, the cooling liquid caused it to start fire. And it was, I think it was an electrical issue as well, so that's related to MGUH. And then both Verstappen and Perez, the steering for Verstappen, the steering didn't cause him to retire. It was a fuel pump issue, and same with Perez, so it's very similar. And that's what you saw when you saw Perez spun, spun stuff out, but instead he actually that the car just stopped. And yeah, the thing with the fuel pump is, I it's um it's standardized part, so the FI and Formula One supply it. And as well, the thing that it only came out today that some of the teams didn't know about was that McLaren had supposedly, in part under parfait Forme rules, where it means you can't change uh, certain cars in part. Like you have to keep to the same spe- specification. You can't just put a new if you change, like the new the rear wing setup or the front wing, you have to get a penalty basically. And so they, both McLarens had changed their fuel pumps. Um, before the race so they knew that there was an issue so yeah it's looking like it could happen about 24 the 2014 saga again where the engine the engines could have a part in it as well like the renault engines the ferrari engine all like that but i would just hope the ferrari engine now is not illegal because of this <laughs> but, but yeah that's 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 what what happened the causes of the um the official causes of the red bull and Ferrari issues yeah and Listen, I'm going to keep a balanced take on this because whilst, yeah, like, they're going to be really crushed that they've gone to a Grand Prix and they've, well, besides Noda picking up some points, the, the parent team didn't pick up much points and Gasly was running strong and then had that DNF as well. Their performance in the car, like, ex- like excluding the reliabilities there, I think that there's going to be a lot of talking between Max and his engineers because I don't think that they're going to appreciate him shouting and screaming at them. And people are quick to get on about Lewis crying, but jeez, I've never had seen that brutalness on the radio before. So I'm sure that they'll have a word with Max, try and calm him down because it's understandable. He wants to challenge. He's trying to, if the last championship wasn't legitimate in anybody's eyes, then he's going to try and make this one legitimate. And you can't do that yeah. if you've got loads of reliability issues. So I understand mm-hmm. his frustration. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, I think he just needs to keep a cool head. And you saw that Leclerc, the Ferrari, I think, was quick. But mm-hmm. I think the Red Bull could have been an even quicker car. And if the Red Bull was ahead of the Ferrari, you'd have probably seen something similar, too. But wasn't meant to be. But, um, yeah, I don't think Red Bull fans can be too angry with themselves. First race of the season, you know, they can still basically um, recoup, it, recoup it at some stage. Uh, it's going to be a building block for a lot of teams. The only thing I think Red Bull maybe will be worried about is if those cars have had a complete failure. I mentioned the MGH, which for those who don't know, that's the part of the hybrid system that recuperates any, like, basically lost energy and converts it into heat. 
for the turbos and stuff like that under the brakes. So you only get three of those for an entire season. And if they've already lost one in the first race, it means they only got two left to last the entire 22-23 race calendar before they start accruing penalties. So that's a bit concerning, but at least the pace was there. And you could say, but for the reliability issues, they, they would have been, you know, challenging with the Ferraris and ahead of the Mercs for sure. So yeah, and RJ, any, any other takes you had on that kind of group of Red Bull family cars there? Uh, no, I kind of really agree with a lot of sentiments you said. There's just one thing I did want to talk about, the, uh, the real L plan. I don't know if you guys have heard of this at all before. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but this, this was the real L plan started in 2022 by your boy Gunther. He pretty much sits Kevin Magnuson down. Hear me out here. So basically they're broke. Rich Energy's taking all their money. Um, Red Bull won't give them wings as we know. So they're broke. He talks to K Mag, says, hey, so basically what we're going to do is we're going to lure a Russian billionaire in with his lunatic son. Last name is Mazepin. They can drive in your seat for a year or two. We'll develop a brand new car. We'll take his money. We'll secure it. Secure it. Pardon me. You'll get a one-year vacation. You'll come back. We'll score some points. And today, the plan came together, and KMAG uh, isn't a wanker anymore, as uh, <laughs> sometimes that language is used. So um, this is a family show, but uh, in case you didn't know, the real L plan has come out. So um, it's not a hot take. It's just a hot reality, and I'm excited. Ooh. Spit those bars, RJ. Spit those bars. Oh Spit. yeah, yeah. Roar, roar in the Pirellis like uh, Carlos on those first warm-up lap. <laughs> I think, I think Gunter, Gunter said as well. Like he joked to Kevin after the race. He said, "If you didn't, if you didn't leave F1, you would be on the podium today." <laughs> hey, you might not be wrong at all there. Um, yeah. Any last talking points by anyone here too before we wrap up? Well, I know we kind of made our way down the grid. Or do you have anything else? My bad. I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Let's see what else you got. Yeah. No, sorry there, RJ. It's cool. And yeah, I was going to say, like, it's part of the show. Maybe we should have, like, um, a rating out of 10 for the race. And Ooh. I don't want to really, like, make this a bashing kind of um, platform. So rather than having Donkey yeah. of the Day, because I think other platforms have that, let's have a star yeah, of yeah. the day. So let's yeah, start off sure. with the star of the day. And we all, we can't, like, have three different uh, stars. Yeah. We just have to collaborately work together to say who mm -hmm. should be star of the day. So um, who would you guys nominate? And then who do you think we'll go for? You already know my nomination, K Mag, Team Haas. That, that's if that's a driver, I'm just gonna go with him. His and my only talking point, not to make this like a on the world's biggest Haas fan, or, or this will be a reoccurring segment for me at all. I don't mean to slander Mazepin or anything like that. I just think for me as an American fan, like McLaren is the team that I've rooted for, but it's mostly Daniel Ricardo, and this is this is a predominantly dominated European sport. So for Team America, like whether we all agree on it or not, that's that's my driver of the day. In reality, um, I would go with Charles just because you know he had the best he had the best drive out of anyone in my opinion. He was brilliant from start to finish and didn't make too many mental errors. He was calm, cool, and collected. And whether Red Bull had the had the um, issues they did at the end of the day, um, he he had the better luck regardless of how you want to call it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll go before Rory then. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I, I might precede us probably having to give a tie here because 
a one-side sensational comeback for Kevin Magnussen. Honestly, you know, the Danish Viking K-Mag special K. Um, amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing performance. And this is good. It's so good to see Haas back there after the, the turbulence that they've been through over the last couple of years. But, you know, that aside too, I, I also have to kind of give it to Leclerc as well because he really had a super weekend. Fastest lap, pole, race win, Ferrari's first win since 2019. Um, and it always just seemed like he had Max Verstappen in his back pocket. <laughs> he really did. Like, it, it never really seemed that he was phased and he stayed calm. Never really heard him getting too flustered on the radio with the team. And, yeah, it's nice to see that Ferrari, even in terms of the strategy, they just kept cool. They just kind of matched whatever. They said, anything you can do, I can do better <laughs> to, to Red Bull, basically. And, yeah, just um, for them to get a 1-2, that's nuts. So, um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. But, Rory, what do you think? This is tough. I don't want to. This is too great like storylines this uh, race weekend I think I'm going to have to go with Leclerc it was it was Magnussen was there like I just was just because Leclerc was like Ferrari's first win in 20, once uh, like the fact is that the last win was 2019 Singapore and that time was at 1-2 as well and this is a 1-2 as well so I think it's it's a special time for, for Ferrari like Nowadays, and the same with half like a P5 for them as well. And as well, or uh, then you're saying like how like strategy wise, anything you can do, I can do better. Like Ferrari's pit stops today were excellent, like, compare, like, mm-hmm. you, great you point. You think of Ferrari's uh, pit stops as slow, like, and like, can we get the tire off or like that? And yeah, I think Ferrari got were like under a game today, and that's why I think Leclerc is Charles Leclerc is my favorite, is my star of, of your like, favorite of now, race. yeah. If it was Daniel Car- if Daniel Cardo, poor only Daniel Cardo was up there because he will be my star of the week. No, like no, no pun intended, but will be my star of the week. Oh, well, listen, you know, I think you know what for this episode. I don't know if you guys agree an agreement with this. I think we should tie it between Haas or um, Kevin Magnussen Haas and Ferrari. In a way, it's funny because they're almost like brother and sister team so yeah you can mm-hmm. have like a little ferrari like uh Haas, yeah. like, family kind of like, um, <laughs> maybe stuff. if anything yeah maybe if anything make it a uh each episode a constructor and a driver yeah that might yeah, not be a bad way yeah. to do it either yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. but uh okay so we'll give it to them and then guys again next one where we, we have to kind of come together to agree on it what would you rate the Bahrain Grand Prix first race of the 22 season with a new class. Rory, you're already hiding your face. I'm going to go with you first. Would you rate it out of 10? Okay, I'm not going to rate it as a Red Bull fan. I'll rate it as a neutral fan. Like, or like, <laughs> say, like, for, for more to support. So if it was a Red Bull fan, I'd rank it 0 out of 10. But um, if I... No, honestly, I think as an F1 fan, I love of the sport, I think... I'm going... Oh, this is... Wait one minute... I'm in, oh, my dog has made an appearance. Who, who wants to see my? Oh no! Wait, am I going? I'm going on a guest no. appearance. Uh, Voila. My, 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 <laughs> my dog is here, but um, I think I'm going to give. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. One minute. No worries. Solid. Uh, Solid. I'll. Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to give it. So the marks I know are different across where where you go, but. 90% 9 out of 10 that's it that's an A that's the highest grade you can get kind of in America so oh what's up doggy 
Wait, is this Super is your dog's name's Max or or is it Daniel or is it Ricardo? <laughs> but uh, I'll give it a I give it a nine out of ten actually. Um, I thought the race was was really entertaining. I think it was a good benchmark for where the season will be in some ways, with it just being like a really exciting race. It wasn't boring from start to finish. You you did have Max and Charles battling there. The safety car added a new element. You had multiple new teams that were in the points. Um, I think it was, I don't want to say it's as good as it was going to get, but I think it was as, as exciting as you could have wanted it to possibly be. It was definitely a good change up. So nine out of 10 for me. Ooh, you guys have put me in a sticky situation now, man, because I'm right in the middle of that. Like, I don't think it was the craziest race ever, like, you know, like groundbreaking. But having said that, like RJ said, I think really positive start for the season. You know, we had so many skeptical thoughts about these, these cars and whether they would achieve what they were meant to. But the mere fact that we had a lot of clean racing, uh, not really many things being decided by stewards afterwards. We saw a couple of battles on track. We've seen people score their first points. Um, you know, like, it, it was really cool. So I'm going to give it 8.5. And then if you round it up to the nearest 10 or, or whole number, I guess that'd be a 9. So, yeah, let's, let's say... Are we going 8 or are we going 9? Oh, I think I think like it wasn't a per it wasn't like one of those um all time top ten races like yeah but it, it was good for a season opener uh, like last year's season opener was great mm -hmm. but this one because there it wasn't just Lewis and Max if you get me last year this year was actually the whole field actually not the back mark like the lower end field but like from fifteenth on upwards it was an ex it was absolutely like I think. I think, like I said earlier, like there wasn't much overtaking, but each overtaking was a was a perfect overtake. It was it was a worth the wait of an overtake, if you get me. So, yeah, yeah I think I I I think I'm going to stick with an eight. I I don't think it was a nine. Like I, if I go, I actually go eight point five. So you round it up to a nine if you want. But yeah, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough because I completely for me it wasn't the best race ever, and I think after the dust settles, like it it will just be one of those races. It's mm -hmm. not going to be a race that we remember for a really long time, besides the drama on the last couple of laps. But yeah, you know what? Let's let's go eight point five. Like this is a happy medium between the two mm -hmm. because I, I I think this race, RJ says, it's the perfect start of something new, and I think that's that's all we can ask for at this rate. You know that hopefully the racing is going to build on this, and hopefully Haas can continue to, to sustain. There are performances at the moment. Hopefully, Mercedes can come up with something revolutionary because I'd love to see that. Um, you know, how will the how will Max deal with the pressure? Because no one can tell me from now on now that he's not under pressure with the way he reacted in the radio today. How is he going to deal with that pressure? And yeah, can can Ferrari keep it up? Because you know, I think if Ferrari really keep this up and they get a jump start, everybody, by the time we get into the summer break. We're going to have a completely new outlook on this championship, and it might be for better, might be for worse. So, yeah, but RJ, your, your thoughts? No, I think, uh, I think you're exactly right. It's a 23-week-long race season. Um, I could not be more excited about it than ever. I'm, I'm actually going to boldly predict I think every team will somehow end up in the points this year. I know that's ever been done in Formula 1, but weirdly enough, I, I could see it as much as um, the error screen that is McLaren um, is not 
loading correctly uh, for their internet browser. <laughs> um, but I will add that. Um, as, a, as a side note too, um, I will say I have never been more excited um, to watch Formula One. I think the community that we've been making here and fostering has been really awesome. Um, it is really nice for me because I feel like as a normal F1 fan, even going back to last year, I was lucky if I just like woke up on time for the race, um, even a little, even a little bit before. And now I'm doing the pre-race. Now I'm watching qualifying. Um, I'm going to be way more involved this season. So I am, I'm mostly excited just for that in the, in the outright, regardless of who comes out P1 or P20. Um, yeah, I I totally echo all of RJ's point and, and your point, Stens. I I think yeah, like if I I think on the points every team, I think we could see like McLaren being terrible, and then the Monza for some reason they come off and win the race. Like yeah, that could happen. Like, but that could happen to any team. Like they could have just won this one, not bogey race, but a good bogey. Like that they 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 blow they they actually their competitors out the park like and. Yeah, I think it's like as a not being a Rebel fan, but like being as a lover of sport, I think it's. I'm looking really looking forward to this season. I'm looking forward for it. Like I think it could be a three way battle at the front. Sometimes a four, it could be a, a, a it even could be like a four way at times. Like, but I think it's mostly gonna be a three way. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the season. So yeah. Oh well, listen. I think we all share the same views on that, and what an exciting opener. I think it couldn't go, have gone better especially as a Mercedes mm-hmm. fan. <laughs> no, it's been super cool. And uh, guys, you know, we hope that you have a great week. We hope that you enjoy the content. Uh, Rory's got some interesting stuff coming up this week with the F1 talent show. We'll probably try and hold an interactive um, live stream on YouTube as well. RJ is always working hard on a website that's coming out well, soon and adding content to that as well, which is awesome and bringing you different stories because, you know, we haven't even touched on IndyCar and I think I'm going to go and watch the replays of that. It's available. But guys, also a huge shout out to everybody that's uh, followed us on the DRS on Twitter. We're now currently, as we stand, at 127 followers and we were the 89th highest sports podcast in Kenya. So shout out to all our resident Kenyans out there as well. Amazing. And listen, this is what we're here to do. We're not here, you know, to like try and commercialize it, although that would be nice at some stage. But we're just free fans from different parts of the world, and we love the sport, and we love the interaction we're getting from you guys too. So please, um, at the end of the stream, if you're still listening, make sure you head over to the DRS Zone uh, Twitter. That is underscore the DRS Zone, just so you can follow. Make sure you look mm-hmm. out for the um, streams being held or the, the Twitter spaces being held by our, um, you know, our great panelist Rory, and you know he's doing great things for the community as well. He did it all night of the other day as well, you know, trying to allow fans. More He's a brave man. Exactly, he really is. <laughs> Putting in that work. So we love yeah. to see. And, you know, he's managing our Discord page as well, which is another community which we're building, which is epic. And, yeah, you know, make sure that you follow the page. Make sure you check out what we're doing. And um, it won't be too long until we drop something on your ass. So, <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, I'll let the other two sign out, but for me, it's been your boy, AMG Dance from the ends of North London, in the streets. Got this, um, oh, I butchered that. Oh my God, I butchered that. Well, listen. Like Gasly, DNF, baby. Oh, yeah, I can't, I can't say I was looking like Gasly, 
but listen, I'm still planting piastri, so I'll put that in there, <laughs> and I'll let uh, Rory and RJ sign out as well. Yeah, I. I echo it all Ben's points and I say I'll echo it RJ's points. With the Discord, uh, the links for that will be on the it will be on the or on the Twitter page uh, or as the pinned tweet, so it's not it won't expire so you can always join. Uh yeah, I hope to do get that more involvement going in that as well. And yeah, just thanks for listening. Thanks to, to those everyone in Kenya who's listening. You are the backbone of this. Po- you are the backbone of this podcast. Sorry to everyone else, but you are. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I am just super excited for this season and super excited for this platform to grow even more. So thanks to all our hundred uh, followers on Twitter. Uh, just recently passed. We got that yesterday. So yeah, just now to two fifty. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Humble beginnings, just like Haas. That's what I want to call us. We're not. We're not in the points yet. We're low in the rankings, Kenya. We're sitting in the 80s, but uh, we're coming up there sooner or later. And that's not what it's always about, too. It's just about, you know, having a community and also just uh, these these guys I met almost a little over a month ago. And now we've actually become really good friends. And it's uh, it's been great because they know F1 way more than I do, and they care about it way more um, than, than my friends here do. So that's a good way to, to grow your network. Um, on top of it, too, though, with the, with the channel – um, specifically, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We do go through Anchor as well. Um, I did just add a new RSS feed, and our YouTube channel is small, but all of our other content will be on there as well, too. So if you do subscribe, obviously great. If you're actually listening over Spotify or Apple Music, I always know you get that cringy like, comment, subscribe type deal, but this is it. Like, comment, subscribe. Um, and if not, at least leave a review helps us get so more people can, uh, hopefully listen and enjoy. Um, we miss things as well. We're only human. Um, you know, human error has been a big talking point with, uh, a lot of the, um, <coughs> Abu Dhabi-ness. <laughs> yes. And the official release. So it does occur, call us out on stuff we missed or stuff we, you should have heard as well. Um, so, uh, thanks for listening. We'll come back next week with um, what should be a pre-race breakdown after quali and then probably a post race breakdown as well. Always looking for guests too. So if you want to join air out your opinion, uh, let us know. We are here to hear it. Uh, hope you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. Peace.